you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. In the I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. The time has come. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, your destination for both some feel-good life, lifestyle advice, and we're going to talk a little bit of fantasy football advice in there for you as well. I'm your normal host, Seth Wolcock, joined by my normal two brochachos, Nate Polvo and Scott Rainier. Um, also, if you're noticing, we have a little more handsome in the room today. We have Jay and Eagles Dan from the pod with upside over there going for two jay dan nate scott how are we doing today gentlemen doing I'm great lovely. appreciate you having us on wonderful i'm good it cooled off up here in seattle i'm good oh good, good. you're not melting anymore no <laughs> thank god man i almost put pants on today <laughs> <laughs> who wants to do that <laughs> almost awful. almost almost Guys, I'm, I'm glad to hear everyone's doing well. It's also a little toasty here over in PA. I got the shades on to keep me cold today. Um, I know some. we're going to have some heated discussion about the Scott Fishbowl tonight. Um, everyone who's tuning in tonight, I'll do my best to kind of explain things a, a little bit here. It, if you have been living under the rock and you aren't familiar with, with Scott Fishbowl, my first set of advice is going to be come out from under that rock. Um, welcome to the, the rock show. Dwayne Johnson or A-Rock? <laughs> I had the same thought, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Scott Fishbowl, guys, it's the it's the premier pro-am fantasy football league out there. It's known as the largest fantasy football league as well. Um, all commissioned by yours truly, Scott Fish. Scott, if you don't know Scott, again, come back out from that rock. But Scott is actually one of the founders of Debbie Fantasy Football Content. And he's been just a, a huge part of this industry. We were lucky enough to have him featured on a show a couple weeks ago. Um, one of the most charitable guys out there. Nate, um, you know as well as I do that while we love playing in Scott Fishbowl, there's a lot of great networking opportunities, a lot of fun just playing in it. There's something a little bit bigger that we're playing for as well. Well, yeah, we've got Fantasy Cares, which obviously is a charitable organization that we're all donating money to everything that you're buying. If you're buying shirts from Viridian or Rotoware, um, $13 from every purchase goes to fantasy cares. Um, the Potathon is earning thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars for fantasy cares. You're doing good. And you don't have to be a part of Scott fishbowl to donate to fantasy cares. Um, Scott fishbowl is just a way for him to get the word out about all the charitable work that they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dan and Jay, this is your guys' first time on the In-Between Fantasy Football podcast. Um, so would you guys mind introducing yourselves a little bit? Tell us a little bit about your background, um, what you're up to on a normal basis, and what is Pod with Upside as well? Dan, I'll defer to you first, my friend. You better. All right. So <laughs> hi, my name is Dan, the, the real star of a podcast with Upside. Uh, <laughs> uh, the real star is Patty. But it is cool. Patty. Patty's yeah. the mascot. There's a difference. There's a difference. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, basically, Power with Upside is basically just Jay and I show. It was uh, we started doing um, War a pod, Live. War Room Live last year uh, at the beginning of the season for going for two, and it just kind of evolved into our our own little uh, show over there. So we have fun. You know, we try to make it fun, bring on some guests uh, and everything. And then uh, for the writing side, we uh, I write for as well as Jay. Right for uh, Roto Underworld. I actually have an article that just came out Monday on David Montgomery. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing currently. 
Yeah, Dan basically said it all, and uh, I'll drop a little teaser as well. Keep an eye out. There's uh, we. I've been a part of the team over at Front Yard Fantasy for a few months now. Dan just recently joined, so we may or may not be doing a show under the FYF umbrella very soon. So, Ooh, okay. awesome. spicy! Some big so, J journalism here on the so, football podcast. <laughs> big J journalism, boys. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's actually crazy because the first time I ever heard of Jay. I, I ever interacted with him. He was on a Scott Fish pool panel last year with Tommy Moe over at two, two on one FFB. And, you know, I, I really drew to Jay. I thought Jay was you know, a, a pretty nice guy, but also like, yeah, you gave me great advice for my Scott, first Scott Fish Bowl. And I really thank you for that, man. And well, thank you. That means a lot. It's kind of full circle to have you back here. And I, I'm happy to have you, man. I really appreciate that. You know, I'm used to being around Dan, not saying nice things about me. So for once to have somebody actually give me a compliment, really. But <clears throat> we've been, you know, we've gotten pretty close over these past few months, all you guys. So Seth, I really appreciate that. Um, as always, we have our guy third and short in the background, holding it down as our producer. And I think there's no other better place to start, guys, than weekly advice. Weekly. And Dan and Jay, is this both of your guys' third Scott Fishbowl? Am I right on that? Yes, it's my third. This okay. is my fourth, actually. Okay. Oh, fancy. Oh, yeah. I, just, I was asked a question. I just answered the question. Yeah, Scott Fishbowl 8 was my first one. Okay, great, great. And and guys, kind of just like going down here, like let's just start with QBs and kind of go down the list. Um, Nate and Scott, feel free to weigh, on, weigh in on this as well or ask any follow-up questions. Um, starting with quarterbacks, like what's the biggest difference, do you guys think, between a super flex league and like a normal super flex league and Scott Fishbowl scoring? Definitely the incompletions. Mm-hmm. Mm. The incompletions are and, – and the heavy – Interception penalty is definitely the the biggest the biggest difference because everyone, if you're playing in a regular superflex league, you usually the the low completion guides they can mitigate that somewhat maybe with like rushing or garbage time, or, yeah, or garbage time. And in this case, that doesn't exactly work because if even if they put up a score or two in garbage time, if they throw three interceptions, that's negative eighteen points right there in in this type of scoring. So you just you just have to make sure that. You know, if you're taking uh, uh, one of those like garbage time QBs, probably air maybe to one of those like uh, Konami guys, like maybe like a Jalen Hurts or something, just in case if they don't have a high completion. Oh, percentage. what a surprise! Dan recommends <laughs> Jalen Hurts. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, just to take, so that, the, that you have that rushing floor to uh, to mitigate some, maybe that low completion percentage. Thank you. And completely, I think the most important thing is looking for a guy with a high completion percentage. A guy. Yeah, like I mean, as a Derek first year player, as a first year player, when I when I first looked at the rules, that's what smacked me in the face. That that the negative yeah. points for completion is the first thing I saw. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent. That's the biggest thing you get in. That's the thing. It, Scott does a really Scott Fish does a really good job of tweaking it every year. You know, this is only my fourth year. It's uh, year what eleven now. Um, trying to, and he said many times that his whole uh, goal with doing that is to try to make it where every position is pretty close to about the same in value. Obviously, that's going to change, but you know, you there are so many different ways you can build a team in Scott Fishbowl and still be successful. There's teams that fade quarterback and go far. There's teams that go quarterback early and go far. So there's so many different ways you can go about it. It's just making sure you know what categories for each position change values. You know, Lamar Jackson has a, in a, a standard league that doesn't have completion percentage. He's one of the elite quarterbacks. Yeah, he still is. But that rushing upside is uh, taken down a notch because of his low completion percentage. He's 24 so completion percentage last year, by the way, 24th. Right. Yeah. So and, that's going to hurt a lot. Yeah. Yep. And guys, I felt like on a lot of teams last year, I was seeing people who had like Carson Wentz and keep in mind, sacks are also minus a point two in this. So like Carson Wentz, who was struggling with completion percentage, he was struggling, not getting sacked and just, you know, all, all over the place, really. Like he was getting negative points a lot of the weeks. Like he was unstartable at times. Daniel Jones, your guy, Jay, he was, he was unstartable as well. Um, and the one other thing I think people don't factor in as much as maybe we should as well is the weather. Um, Baker Mayfield last year, 
he had a lot of negative point games, and it wasn't always because of just seriously bad play, but we, we saw those typhoons up in Cleveland off Lake Erie a couple times last year impact the game, and Baker Mayfield was you know just had such a bad completion percentage because they couldn't throw it in that wind and rain. So I definitely think dome quarterbacks or the southern quarterbacks get a little bit of a bump at least. Yep. And one thing, That's- too, you know, this is a super flex, and normally in super flex, you're always throwing your quarterback in the second spot. At Scott Fishball, I saw it, a lot of people do it last year, and I think there's going to be more that do it this year. Don't be afraid to, to sit your second quarterback if you don't have that elite option, if you've just got a fringe guy, because you can be hurt really badly by somebody who doesn't have a good game, takes a lot of sacks, you know. One pick six, I think, is what, like negative six points or something yep. like that? Yep. So, I mean, you know, you get a pick six, sacks a couple times, and don't get a touchdown, and you're you're way in the negative. So don't be afraid to not start a second quarterback if you don't have an elite guy or if they're on a bye. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting, those decisions, because, you know, in a typical super flex, oftentimes it's – I mean, it's a no-brainer. You know, a quarterback, even a quarterback two, is going to score in, in all likelihood more than your, you know, flex – running back or wide receiver. But in this scoring format, those other skill positions don't really have that potential to sink you with negative points. So it's really a feast or famine thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the point about weather because a lot of times weather gets brought up with the passing game and with kicking game. And a lot of people are like, oh, don't worry about it unless it's above a certain miles per hour. But just grimy, wet, sleety weather, like not necessarily that they can't throw with the same velocity, but just it leads to more incompletions. Right. So that's going to be something to – I like all this different strategy. It's fun. Yeah, it is. It's Nate, so fun. Nate, as a first-time player, like like what are, what are your questions that you have about running backs and wide receivers specifically? Like like, like what what's your take on them now, and like what do you want to hear from Dan, Jay, and I that, that we can lend to you and other newer players in Scott Fishbowl? So I want to know – like, at, okay, so once you get above like that top tier – how are you valuing some of these guys? Let's say like, okay, JK Dobbins, for instance, where are you sitting on him in this format? I'm curious. Do you guys think that JK Dobbins is, cause I feel like Gus Edwards is probably going to be more productive in Baltimore. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's been my kind of gut. So like a guy like JK Dobbins, where do you sit on him? Cause he's definitely not a first tier running back. I like JK Dobbins, but I think in this format, I think his value is diminished a little bit because of, like I was saying, it's really important to know the scoring has got fishbowl. Right. I don't see him being in there to be, to get the first downs. And that's a score, you know, that's scoring for running back for rushing first downs. So I think that Gus Edwards value is bumped up in this format because of that. I still think, I think he's a rock solid RB two. He's got in your normal format. I think he's more of a high end RB two with RB one potential. And Scott Fishbowl, I think he's more of a, you know, boom bust RB2 because, you know, if it's that slow game where they're not, you know, obviously Baltimore is always going to rush the ball. But, you know, if it's, he's not going to be the guy that's going to grind it out. That's going to be Gus Edwards. That makes sense. I'm obviously, I'm much lower on J.K. Dobbins than the rest of the world. So, (laughs) I mean, I I, I like J.K. Dobbins. I like the talent. I wish it's just another one of those running backs where it's like, dude, just give him 25 carries a game and see what happens. But in this format, at least what I've been seeing with kind of the ADPs that have been materializing the mock drafts where he's going, I'm not going to be pulling the trigger on him where he's going. I'm likely going to be getting either a different running back there or a wide receiver. That's just, that's what I've been seeing. I would rather, I would rather take, I mean, the wide receivers, you know, they're, they're the first downs they accumulate are a little bit more common. Um, And so I really like him though. In Dynasty, I'd love to have Dobbins on my team, but in this format, I'm probably not going to end up with him unless he falls. I mean, I definitely fall into the tenth round, but unless he falls. <laughs> so to to be fair, I do love Dobbins' talent. I really do. I love Dobbins' talent. I think he should be the RB one in Baltimore. I just don't think he will be. Dan, right now, like where are you? Because are you a guy who is going to load up on RB early or are you more planning to kind of get some late round guys or you, and same question with receiver as well. Are you trying to punt receiver? Like that's kind of my big thing is I'm a big punt receiver guy in Scott Fishbowl. I think that's most people as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm the, the plan right now is to maybe take a running back early. Uh, I think that there's a couple of elite options where 
in like the first couple of rounds and then it kind of drops off pretty quick after that. And and to Jay's point, he's saying, and this is like the key thing, pay attention to the scoring. A lot of these like big name guys that like the, like the Dobbins or, or whatever are good for regular fantasy. And, but in the, in this scoring system, they're not, I think I was actually on uh, our, not to, you know, uh, plug or anything, but on the FYF show today, we actually had a, a stat where, and rushing first downs, which are, are, are a key point uh, in this scoring system, Gus Edwards blew J.K. Dobbins away last year in rushing first downs. Yep. So it's stuff, it's stuff like that you have to pay attention to and, and and do your research on to see like where where guys actually are in terms of on field production versus where you perceive them to be in fantasy. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm definitely with you there, Dan. A little bit of a spoiler later in the show, we're going to talk about sleepers in Scott Fishbowl. My sleeper was actually, we've talked about him enough, so I'll just reveal that it was, it was Gus Edwards. And it was exactly because of what Dan said. He had over 45 rushing first downs last season. He was in the top 17 in rushing first downs, Gus Edwards, that is. So I'm, I, I think he's like one of those guys you can target late. Um, I personally... Last year, I punted wide receiver. I, we can go in a little more in depth, like like, like how, what our strategy was last year, how that paid off for us, pros and cons of that. Um, Jay, like, where do you think you're trying to take a receiver um, in in most leagues? Because I feel like for me right now, I'm ending up with like Cooper Cup with my wide receiver one, a Jamar Chase. I, I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, I, th- I think it all depends on the running backs that are available to you. And just like in any league, I think the most important thing is to be flexible. You know, everything, there's been so much drama on Twitter. What a surprise. But people arguing, you know, zero RB, hero RB, modified RB, you know, robust RB. Like, like just do, (laughs) I'm the type, I do like to go running back early and often, but I'm also not going to reach if there's not a good running back there. So the main thing is to read the board. You know, whatever comes to you, be able to be flexible, like Nate was saying earlier, I believe. Um, I do like running back early with that being said, I wouldn't mind having a stud. I wound up who at the time last year, um, I had a pretty good team last year. I went running back early. I think my first four picks were running back quarterback, running back quarterback. And I wound up with my first wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, who at the time was not considered a wide receiver one. Yeah. Um, and I was able to stack him with Josh Allen, which worked out pretty good. I had a pretty solid team last year. So I do like to try to get the, uh, you know, wide receiver one, running back one, quarterback one, to try to get a little bit of balance. But the way that the scoring is set up in Scott Fishbowl more than any other league, don't be afraid to go super running back heavy if that's what falls to you or super wide receiver mm-hmm. heavy. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of depth at the wide receiver position. I think you can wait on that a little more than running back. But that being said, if everybody loads up on running backs and you can wind up with a AJ Brown and Tyree kill. I mean, you'd be crazy not to do that. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Exactly. Real, real quick to, to Jay's point is if everyone punts wide receiver and obviously wide receiver is going to be a value then. So then just, you take the Tyree kills or the AJ Browns or whatever. Right. And as far as uh, the, the Dobbins uh, Edwards point, if you, if you want to take Edwards, he's, he's probably going like five to six rounds after Dobbins. So you can use that Dobbins slot for, for a receiver that'll get you more points. And and the and the points will be comparable to to Dobbins and Edwards. So it's stuff like that in roster construction that you, you want to mm-hmm. like pay attention to to, to ADP as well because that's going to be uh, important, you know, going in while still remaining flexible, as Jay said. Yeah, it seems it seems to me even more so than regular drafts. Like you really have to detach yourself from kind of the the name recognition associated with players because okay. I put I put out that fancy little thread on first down stuff and yeah in First downs per touch, Gus Edwards led the league 29% of his touches. However, J.K. Dobbins was sixth, 25%. So he didn't necessarily destroy him, but they each had about 150 touches. One's going five rounds later than the other one. So it seems like that there's a lot of value that can be found. I mean, that's not too dissimilar for most drafts. I mean, Gus Edwards has been talked about as a good late round, effective, valuable running back all offseason. But I think especially in this format. Um, I have a quick question. So with the 107, um, in one of the mocks I did, a lot of people went running back in the first round. And so there were some really good quarterbacks still available at the turn in the second. Is that, I mean, you know, super flex, like if if you can get a couple of stud quarterbacks, that seems like the way to go, but is that advisable? I'm not opposed to it personally, Scott. I think like if you can get yourself at the 107, 
Um, if a Lamar Jackson were to slide there, and then if somehow like Russell Wilson were to come back to you, I've seen Russell Wilson fall deep into the second round, some mocks. So I, I, I would love that stack personally. My girlfriend, Katie, we're actually doing a mock draft right now. And she, she got Lamar. I think she was maybe at the 108, but she grabbed Lamar and then was faced with that decision, ultimately went running back. But we had some debate whether or not she should do that. But I think it's like I still want like a, a top 12 to 14 running back. I think if like you're afraid that one of them aren't going to get back, I would take the running back. But if you think like you're still going to get a guy like Cam Akers or something, maybe in the third round, I would wait. Yeah, because, I mean, this this specific mock I was in, Kyler fell to 107. And then Herbert oh was goodness. sitting there in the second. Wow. So I was just oh my like, God. Wow. Uh, yeah, I said that all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not even close. Just yeah. like what wow. you were saying, just like what you were saying, like these mocks, you know, some of the running backs that went in the first round before Kyler, like that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. And but you'll other- see too that um they do uh, where you can see everybody's draft pick. I think it's on um Josh ADHD does a yes. little thing yep. uh, on what, yep. what's his website. I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank right now. But they, uh, he does something the past couple of years where there's a, a Scott Fishbowl toolbar where you can see where the earliest the guy has gone, the latest the guy has gone, oh, and cool. the range is just unbelievable. Like you'll yeah. see even more so. You can't, you know, we could say it till we're blue in the face, but until you experience it, we're like, wow, I took this guy in the second round and he just went in the fifth round in, in this draft. Yeah. Did I do something wrong? Um, yeah. But yeah, especially being super flex and as important it is to get two guys with, uh, Good completion percentage. I am not opposed to going quarterback, quarterback whatsoever. Well, and that's uh, why I really like the 107 and that general area is because you have the you have the opportunity to potentially get two really good quarterbacks, and then the third round reversal potentially gets you a better you know RB one or wide receiver one that you, than you would have ever got without it. That's why I wanted the 12 spot with yeah. the third round reversal because if you know <laughs> Kyler Murray and uh, who was it Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert are there like. I would gladly at 12 and, and 201 take those guys, and then I'd still have a shot at a good running back with a 301. So, you know, it just depends. It, it depends how the draft falls, but that's why I wanted the back end of the draft for the third round reversal. So, Jay and Dan, to, to kind of round out weekly advice here, um, can you guys each just take me through your strategy last year, how it planned out, how it worked out for you, um, and how far you made it in the Scott Fishbowl last year. Let's all go down the line here, and then we'll jump into some Would You Rather afterwards. Go ahead, Danny Boy. Oh, thank you. Uh, so last year, uh, what I did was I went uh, QB really early, uh, early and often for QBs, because uh, my thinking at the time was that Superflex was going to be really important, and the other ones weren't as much. Um, injuries cost me a lot. And the uh, the negative points really hurt, so I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Uh, but I think that doing it that way gave me a good uh, perspective. And because you know, it, it, uh, half of the the mocks is just trying strategies until you you're comfortable with. So while that didn't work out, it, it's not going to dissuade me maybe from doing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I but I would definitely uh, try to change it up this year personally. Okay. So last year I went in with the idea that I wanted to come out of the first four rounds with two quarterbacks and it worked out pretty well. I was able to get Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson. So everybody was down on Josh Allen because of his completion percentage. And I was banking that it would uh, increase. And I was very lucky that it it increased as much as it did. So Mm -hmm. I did very well. Um, And the way that things fell to me, I went, I went running back in the first round. I went Zeke. And then I was able to get – this was before Damian Williams opted out. I was able to get CEH in the third round. So I wound up first four rounds. I was running back, running back, quarterback, quarterback. Um, and I got lucky with uh, Stefan Diggs. So I was able to have that wide receiver mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. where a lot of wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes were going. Um, and I also had Tyler Lockett who got me a couple of big weeks as well. So being able to hit on those mid-round wide receivers – you have to be able to do that if you're going to go running back and quarterback early because it is important to have a solid wide receiver core because the, the waiver wire, other than the first few weeks, is non-existent. You're not going to get yeah. anything. So you need to be – if you're going to go running back, quarterback early like I did last year, um, you have to be confident in your ability to identify those guys who can make the jump from that 
wide receiver two status and have a, a wide receiver one type of year. Jay, how far did you make it out of curiosity last season? With that I strategy? made it to the conference finals. So okay. it, it breaks it down. Um, so I made it pretty far. I was close. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, I got screwed by CEH being activated and not played. Wow. Oh, and, no. Uh, yep. yep. And wow. I missed the cut by one point. Wow. Jesus. Yep. Wow. Yep, Dan, why are you smiling? Are you just enjoying my misery? He's always smiling. I'm always I'm just a, I'm just a happy guy. I missed yeah. the cut by one point, and that and it was CEH uh, not not playing that cost me. I, I took a gamble and I lost, so it happens. Wow, that's yeah. awful. So, so I, I, I have a similar heartbreak story to you, Jay. Um, last season, uh, were you at the five slot or the six slot, Jay, or what was your? I was the six spot. Okay. I so I was also the six. Zeke fell to me in the first round. I came back in the next round. I was lower on Deshaun Watson. He was there in the second, but I ended up unfortunately taking Josh Jacobs over him, which I despise mm. at this point. But um third round wasn't much better. Like I was like I'm still in the mindset where if I can grab two of the top six tight ends, that's in my wheelhouse. We haven't talked too much about tight ends yet, but I like like right now when you look at it. TJ Hawkinson, Logan Thomas, and Mark Andrews, they were like, if you put them with the wide receivers, they were wide receiver 16 through nine or through 18 last year. So they were like as good as like most strong and wide receiver twos. Um, I, I took Zach Ertz last year. I was another whiff right there. Um, luckily, I hit on some picks later on down the road. Um, grabbed Darren Waller, grabbed Tom Brady, Joe Burrow. Um, like Jay, I, I punted wide receiver pretty heavily. Um, definitely missed out on my first couple. Um, but however, I was able to grab Justin Jefferson in about the eighth or ninth round. And he was just, he was a godsend. He, he definitely carried my team there. Um, Wall, having him in Waller definitely helped kind of even out me not having other good wide receivers. I think I was, most weeks I was picking between guys like Cole Beasley, Nelson Aguilar, um, you know, kind of just those guys off the street a little bit. I was a guy who, and, and I think one thing we haven't really discussed is like, you have to be really strategical with your fab week one. I spent $55. I spent 25 on miles Gaskin, which worked out. I also spent 30 on Benny Snell. So ouch. But, yeah. And, and later somehow later in the, in the year after chase Claypool's big game, he was still on waivers somehow. And I put everything I had on him, you know, like the $45 I had left someone put like $80 on him. And it's like the wide receiver position was never really able to recover for me. Um, down the road, lost a couple guys to injury. David Montgomery, Nate's favorite player, he ended up kind of carrying me down the stretch as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I made it, I think as far as Jay to the quarterfinals there, I was two points away. And that was a really tough week for me. Um, I had to pick between whether I was going to play Josh Jacobs um, after the whole Instagram thing, or whether I was going to ride with Zach Ertz or Cole Komet, um, eventually made the wrong decision, lost by two points. And then, and it was a heartbreaker because the next week I came back and I would have made it to the finals. If like Darren, that was the week Darren Waller and Montgomery just, and JJ, they all went ham. So, I mean, it's a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas, but like, I definitely learned a lot of lessons and being smart with my fab was a huge one because like, and it's crazy. Cause like, I even remember spending fab on Nelson Aguilar twice, like, like picking him up. He was trash one week, dropped him the next, and then he ended up being good again and be careful who you drop. Because after week one, I had T Higgins that I had gotten in like the 17th round. He played, I think like 10% of the snaps in week one ended up dropping him. And like, he would have been, you know, just such a great wide receiver two to have on that team. So be careful with what you're doing, what you're dropping, what you're picking up. It, it definitely matters more than you think. Yep, to elaborate on that, uh, don't be afraid to spend the fab early. I definitely agree early about being, yep, being yes. strategic with it. But yes. especially as deep as the drafts are, the, the waiver wire gets so ugly so quick. Then you have those guys like the James Robinsons that can be league winners. Um, they're not there after the first few weeks, especially in Scott Fishbowl. So don't be afraid to spend early and often. And I like what you said, Seth, too. Be careful who's dropped. I like to go after waivers run. I like to go right behind it and see who guys drop because you will see some, you will be surprised. People get frustrated and drop the T Higgins and players mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. don't, you know, right after waivers run, 
go right there because I th- I don't think there, there's no waivers after that. It's a free for all. Mm-hmm. So yes. go as soon as waivers run. Go out there and look and see who's dropped. Oh it's- yeah, I've I've been awake when waivers run for years now. They well, just well, the, sneak in. It's it's so much fun. The, it's perfect. The, the great thing about Scott Fishbowl too, at least last season, it was a one p.m. waiver deadline. Yep. Yeah, so, it's in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, that's, different. that's amazing. Yeah, and I, I'm that guy who honestly sets alarms. I play. I was literally about to say the same yeah. thing. So I, I do the same thing. Yep. I, I wake up at like on ESPN. It used to be some god awful time, like either three thirty or four thirty, and then later in the year they start switching the time too with like daylight savings. So like I'd be setting multiple alarms, and man, that is just that is no fun. My girlfriend does not appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan and Jay, thank you guys for your advice so far in the show. We're going to have a little bit of fun now and get into uh, uh, one of our newer segments here on the podcast. Would you rather? You guys know the game, Would You Rather, from our childhood. We asked two different questions. Would you rather do X or Y? Nate, why don't you start us off here with the first question, man? So, number one, would you rather? Would you rather draft a top three tight end in the first two-ish rounds or draft a top wide receiver in the first four rounds? I'll go first. I would take the tight end every single time. The, the bonuses that you're getting from that kind of production from the top, say, like three or four guys, is just worlds away from anything else you're going to get from, from a top receiver. So in, in, in that respect, it's, it's an easy, easy decision for me. No, and even though I'm not normally a guy that goes tight end early, uh, in that scenario, I agree. I would go with tight end pretty much for the exact same reasons that Dan said. There's so much depth at wide receiver, it's easier to hit on a mid-round wide receiver than it is a mid-round tight end. So I would definitely go with one of the tight ends. Seth? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement here, guys. Um, I'm actually getting a little worried. Like every mock draft I'm doing, these tight ends are going higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember yep. doing mock drafts earlier in it, in the Scott Fishbowl process this year, and there were some that I was walking away with, like Darren Waller in the second, like middle second, getting TJ Hawkinson in the fourth or fifth. And now, like, I'm doing ones where those top three are going, you know, within the first 12 to 15 picks. And that is scary to me. Like, like I, I thought, like, at least, okay, like, default pick at, at the 106 in the second round would be George Kittle. But but I'm getting worried. But, yeah. Last it, year in my draft, uh, the guy who had 12 pick uh, went George Kittle and Travis Kelsey back to back. And um, he wound up in the finals. It's uh, Ben Eby from um, – I think he's with. Uh, oh yes, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. I can't remember where he's from, but he uh, he made it to the finals. He, he almost won the whole thing. He had a really good team last year, and wow. he was led by those tight ends. And Kittle didn't even do that much. So imagine if he'd had a full health Kittle all year. Yeah, from from what I'm from what I've seen, I'm just not. I'm assuming Travis Kelsey is not going to be sitting there at 107. Uh, Jordan, just, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna go before that. You'd have to get lucky. You'd have to get lucky for sure. Um, Scott, you want to introduce our next question here on Would You Rather? Yeah. So, would you rather have to play with Scott Fishbowl scoring in every league or never play in Scott Fishbowl again? Without hesitation, it's played Scott Fishbowl scoring yeah. in every league. Yeah. Scott Fishbowl is so much fun. I mean, you know, the everything that the community does, the people that you meet. I've met so many people through Scott Fishbowl that I now consider close friends. Um, without a doubt. And Scott Fishwell, even though the scoring is different, it's pretty balanced and it's pretty fair. And it's fun to have so many different roster constructions still be successful in this league. Well, just like every other league, it's the same scoring for everyone. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement here with, with Jay. I mean, d- definitely like Scott Fishbowl scoring took a little bit to get used to, but like I've always played in full point PPR leagues, but the half point PPR leagues with the first down, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And I think it's a lot of fun. And just even the networking opportunities and the fun that happens in the chats, like 
it's been, it can get crazy at times, a little overwhelming with everything going on. But like one thing I've been trying to do, and I'm actually releasing a column tomorrow talking about is like, just slow down and enjoy it, man. Cause it, it like, it comes around once a year. You never know when your last Scott fishbowl is going to be. And man, it, it, it's just a blast. Well, and the, the group that we're all in the thickest thieves chat, shout out to the thieves that are watching. Um, that started as the one Oh six chat last year. Really? And then at the end oh. of the season, uh, so yeah. So at the end of the season, I said, Hey, I want to make like a retweet chat group. Is anybody interested? So, um, Shane, a couple other guys, Jordan Richards, I believe. There's some others. That, I don't think Jordan Richards is originally in there, but there was like Scott Simpson. There was a good probably 10 to 12 that it started, and now we have, what, like 65 people in there, yeah. something along those lines. So that's just one example of the – and, you know, we're also close in there. And the the beautiful thing about Scott Fishbowl is the relationships that you build out of it. So the chats are my favorite part of the entire thing. That's been a really fun part of it that I wasn't expecting so far, like the pick chat and it's crazy. The people you get to connect with, uh, there's the guitarist for one of my favorite, like hardcore metal bands is in my group chat That's and I've been, awesome. and I've been giving him drafting advice cause he's I'm never obvious, played super flex. I'm a huge Duke fan. Obviously I got to play with Shane Battier last year and oh, was in it again this year he was in the group chat, just talking, you know, talking yeah. junk to everybody. Like, he was such a cool guy, just down to earth. Like, if I told 13-year-old Jay that I got to play in a fantasy football league with Shane Batty and get to talk to him, my head would have exploded. So just that alone was awesome. Yeah, I mean, some of the, you know, there's some people in the Wu-Tang division, super respect, and like, you know, on any other average day, I don't know if I would really get into an interaction with these people, but now we're in this, we're in this league together because of the Scott Fishbowl, and, you know, now we can make a connection. It's been no, that's been great. The I mean, I really dig when people like tweet out their invitation, like a golden ticket. That's really fun. All the graphics people have been making, include including third and short here, has been super fun to see all everybody's artistic creativity making, you know. And I mean, couldn't have picked a better year to start for my first year, at least with it being musical bands as the right divisions. It's so much fun. I mean, I get to have little Sebastian as my Twitter avatar. I know. Like, what more could right. you ask for? Dan Nothing. gets to be in a division with Jen. I exactly. Mean, he's the luckiest person on this panel. 100%. Ever. Luckiest person ever. Not even on this panel. What's that? What? I, 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 I I'm married. There's those brownie points. What up to you on that? The somehow. history of humanity. Being in the Scott, same Scott Fishbowl division is greater than being married. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll ask her what she thinks about that after the show. <laughs> you, know, you do, you do that and let, us, and let us know. No, but but like everyone said, like the chats, even like the division chats and 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 the, the pick chats, the division chats are awesome because obviously the division you picked, especially in music, it means you have that in common. You obviously yeah. have that band to pick them. So that's common ground right off the bat, and then you just go from there. So just just the connections you make, the the different strategies, how everyone has different things, and and honestly, like just like getting to learn, getting to learn how people think, how people play fantasies, makes you a better like a player, honestly, and an analyst, and, and and just the friendships that are made. It, that's literally the best part. I mean, everyone it, it's, everyone wants to win Scotch Fishbowl, obviously. It's it's a big deal to everyone, but having fun uh, is 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 number one. Yeah, to, to, to go on what you said about everybody had the same interest, I'm in the Mouse Rat division. For those who don't know, it's a fictional band from Parks and Recreation. So, like, literally within an hour of our division chat being made, everybody was dropping their favorite uh, Parks and Rec-themed team names. And, like, we were just dying laughing. Like, just the little things like that. You you already have that connection with most of the people that are in there. So, and, you know, out of that 106 chat last year, I got Shane, Shane Barrett. Um, he's somebody who I talk to almost every day. I consider a very close friend and I probably would not be as close to him as I am right now. If it wasn't for Scott Fishbowl. Absolutely. And, and just to kind of build off that a little bit, I, I got to be in the Mac Miller division this year and Mac growing up a Pennsylvania kid kind of around the same time as Mac. And obviously he, he unfortunately passed away a couple of years, like definitely like never had a connection to an artist like Mac Miller and to like hear other people's stories about like how he like got you know got them through times in their life like they were struggling and just and Nate I'm sure you can relate being in in your division as well but I mean it's I I absolutely agree guys like that was a bit one of the you know most awesome things was just to be be in there everyone's naming the 101 of 
Mac Miller songs, and it, it was powerful. It was a powerful time. Yeah, it's been really cool in the Rage Against the Machine chat because obviously we're all big fans. Um, and Will Harris is in my division, which has oh, been awesome. like really awesome. Um, we, yeah, like totally. Like we've all bonded on. I mean, that their music is very impactful to me from like a memory standpoint. I grew up on it. Um, I was ten years old when their first album came out, and I had yeah, you're like, old. I am old, and it's fine. Ancient. I'm not old. I'm like a fine wine, Jay. I am aged. <laughs> there you go. But like there's so and but there are so many other things like music is such an impactful thing and we all feel certain things when we listen to certain bands and with Rage Against the Machine being one of my favorite bands, I was it made me a very like activist type youth. Like I spoke out against things. I was against, I was vocal. And I think for all of us in that chat, it's like we have kind of a same like similar like belief set in those ways, having listened to and appreciated mm -hmm. the music and understanding what it's about. And that's hard to find sometimes. And having 11 other people in this chat that all feel the same way, like that's really cool. And it's a wow. rare, real rare opportunity. Yeah, I, I love that, Nate. And guys, to kind of round out Would You Rather today, a um, little bit of fun here. Would you rather be stuck on an island with Scott Fish or Gordon Ramsay? And let's keep in mind, Gordon Ramsay is a premier chef. He has a survival show now. So you'd be eating good. You'd be living good with Gordon or you could kick it with our boy Scott Fish. That's a tough question because I love Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> but obviously, you know, I have a podcast with Dan, so I, I gravitate towards people who are jerks to other people. So I guess that's kind of why I like Gordon Ramsay. Um, but I got to say, I think I would go with Scott Fish because one, if we're uh, stuck together, I probably have a decent chance of getting in the Scott Fish Bowl again. And two, he's such a nice guy. He's got a lot of friends. I'm sure he would have the connections to get us out of there. So I'm going to go with Scott. And if I'm stuck somewhere with somebody, I would rather be stuck with somebody who I would be able to have good conversation with. And I feel like that would be Scott. Dan? I've, I've had enough about this slander of me always being mean to everyone, Jay. I'm only mean to you. No, just to right? me. Just to me. I'm nice to everyone else. That's our relationship. Yeah. It's out of love. Uh, so I would go with Gordon Ramsay because I think my survival chances are exponentially higher. No offense, <laughs> no offense to Scott. I would love to participate in future Scott fishbowls, but that's only well, possible. Not anymore. And you're, if your I live, just not rescinded. well, if we're both dead, it won't matter. <laughs> there will be no Scott Fishbowl. There will be no Scott Fishbowl to participate in. So there will always be a Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> so I, I, I would go with uh, with with Gordon. I think uh, the conversation with him wouldn't be about football, but everything, all the places he'd been. You know, I love I love traveling and, and history and stuff. So I would love to just like pick his brain about all the all the ways and all the places he's he's visited to learn how to cook. So Gordon Ramsay for me. I got a little story about Gordon Ramsay. So I don't know. No I one actually, cares, Jay. I no did, it's a good story. So he, I don't know if he still does it or not, but he, he used to tweet out asking for like people's pictures of crazy food and stuff like that. And I just so happened to be on and see that while I was at the North Carolina state fair, which if you guys don't know, they have all kinds of crazy food and concoctions and stuff like that. Most of it deep fried. So I took a picture of what I was eating at the current time. It was a, deep fried Reese cup that was wrapped in bacon covered with um, what's it called? Powdered sugar and tweeted at him and he liked it and followed it. So I'm followed by Gordon Ramsay. So oh. damn son. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And you still oh. picked Scott fish. Yeah, I did. Maybe uh, Gordon Ramsay, if you're watching, I'm sorry. Unfollowed. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, sure he's watching. I'm sure he's watching. Yeah. Yeah, he watches Definitely. everything. Like, they're they're going to get to the stuff Island question. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's dope guys i appreciate that um it's hot it's been it's been a scorcher here all around the u.s this week so why don't we bring a little bit of summertime back to the show uh cool off with a little bit of sure thing sleepers of the week it's the sure thing sleepers of the week Oh, all right. Love that intro. Uh, definitely need to be by an, by a beach sometime in the near future. I just um, got back, and I wish I was still there. All right, Jay, you were the first one. You were the probably actually Dan. Were you at the beach this week too? Did I see I that was, on Facebook? I was there yesterday and today. Okay. Well, if Dan was at the beach today, I think it's only right. Let's start with Dan. Let's go clockwise around the room. 
Who are your guys' sure thing sleepers of the week? Scott Fishbowl edition. We're thinking about guys somewhere in the late single-digit rounds or somewhere in the double-digit rounds that can really – and like we said earlier in the show, like these are the guys who make or break your team. Um, Justin Jefferson last year was huge for me. Uh, grab Justin Herbert late. Jay, Dan, do you guys have any favorite sleepers over the last couple years that you've grabbed in this league that have paid benefits to you? Jay? He said he started with you, Dan. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> uh, sleepers of mine from a couple of years ago, let me think. So probably not that it was not that he was like a huge sleeper, but Hunter Renfro had a couple of good weeks for me a couple of years ago. So I figure for like a deep, deeper sleeper, probably him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for uh, for this year, uh, the, I have two answers to this question. Uh, one is a kicker. Don't be afraid to draft a kicker before the late rounds. I don't know everyone's you know inclination is to always draft the kicker at the last round or something, but you know Linda, uh, our friend uh, Linda, at Linda Lyons, put out a good piece saying it's the kickers, Lindellians, Lindellians, sir. whatever. Uh, <laughs> Lindellians, sorry. <laughs> that like the, the top kickers were were outperforming some some you know early round picks, uh, but for position player, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Amun Ra St. Brown on on Detroit. If you look at Detroit's depth, depth chart, um, it's awful. I'd probably choose everyone in this chat over everyone that's playing wide receiver for Detroit right now. So it, you know, with Hawkinson being the only guy there that's guaranteed some targets, I definitely you know spend like a later round pick on him. He's going to be incredibly cheap. Uh, so I would go in, in his direction. Love that. Love that. Uh, G-Men J, you're going to throw out a Kadarius Tony for us. Just <laughs> No, I like the Kadarius Tony pick for real football, not necessarily for fantasy football. Um, so for your first half of the question, somebody who at the time was a sleeper that worked out pretty well for me was Nick Chubb um, a few years ago. Ooh. I got him his rookie year really late. And although I didn't make the playoffs that year, um, when they finally traded Carlos Hyde and he took control and had that nice run, it gave me a last-ditch effort push to try to make the playoffs. So it was exciting. I didn't quite make it that year. I unfortunately was relying on Rashad Penny and Rojo most of the year because David Johnson got hurt. So it was not a good year. I didn't make it uh, my first year. But my sleeper for this year is going to be Gerald Everett. I really like him. I've gotten him a lot of formats. And like I said, I'm not the type to take a tight end early. So I'm more likely going to be looking for that late round tight end sleeper. And we all know that Russell Wilson likes to throw the tight end. You know, he's made guys like Will Disley, uh, Host, or Hostetler, or Hoster, or whatever his name is, Hollister. Um, you know, guys like that, he's made them fantasy relevant. So uh, I think Gerald Everett is probably the best tight end he's played with since Jimmy Graham. And I really like him a lot this year. Don't forget that Everett gets his former what quarterbacks coach or passing game coordinator yes, as his offensive coordinator. Word on the street is they're going to have a lot more balanced of an offense. That's kind of his deal. So I'm as a Seahawks fan, I agree. I didn't even really like Jimmy Graham. I'll say the best tight end since Zach Wilson. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right, Nate, what do you got for us, man? So originally I was going to go Tyler Boyd but I changed my mind because of the scoring in the league. I like Albert O in Denver, man. Um, I think, dude, he's a big, talented tight end. I think he has more skill and has a higher ceiling, in my opinion, than Noah Fant. He fits, wow. he fits Sherber's scheme a little bit better. The only reason he didn't have a huge rookie season is because he got hurt. Once they got him on the field, I mean, he was ready to go. And if Drew Locke is the starting quarterback, which – most of the chatter we're hearing around here on the local media and local sports media guys is it is probably going to be lock. They combined for 17 touchdowns in college together at Mizzou. They know each other. And I mean, in a, as a late round guy, he's a sleeper. You're not spending a lot on him. You're not feeling bad about drafting and maybe reaching a little bit on this guy, but if you can get him rostered and have him with this tight end premium format, I mean, he could pay off huge, huge, and it might only be a few weeks. It might be matchup based, but that's what we're looking for in these late round flyer guys. Anyway, like yeah. you're not hoping for a guy you can start every week. You're hoping a guy you can stream in here and there in a flex slot. So yeah, I'm going to say Alberto. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Like, like I know you were big on him last year. So like, I honestly bet you could get Alberto probably in those like, like 
one of the last two or three rounds of the draft, likely oh, easily, yeah, or or waivers. I mean, waivers. he might go, yeah. he might go, last he might go undrafted, yeah. 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 So great, he's a guy. He's a guy I'd be looking out for. Great, love these tight end dart throws, man. Uh, Scott, what do you got for us here, man? So I'm going to meet a little bit more in the middle. This isn't. Uh, I don't have any ADPs in front of me, but I'm going to go with a guy who I've kind of just considered to be meh for a while, but I finally dug into some of his stats, and that's Mike Gusecki, the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, he's not really in the same range as some of these Gerald Everett, Albert O, Adam Troutman, kind of more dart throws at the tail end. He's kind of more in that middle group. So if for him to really qualify as a sleeper, it would be more if he kind of falls in that middle group. But I just – I like, you know – it. With what he did last year, I feel like with just a few more snaps, a little bit more playing time, I think we'd be talking more about him. He had a 65% snap share, which isn't fantastic. It's not horrible. What I really like about him is I did a calculation for um, routes run per snap, and he led the league by far. So when he is out there, he is running routes. Um, and he's also got the highest burst score. He's the highest burst plus uh, speed score average. He's He's athletic. He runs routes. He's out there to catch passes, um, and I just think if he if his playing time increases even slightly, you know, seven touchdowns, sixteen red zone targets, if if he just gets if that snap percentage goes up just slightly, I think he could be a value. Obviously, my my original sleeper was Gus Edwards. We named him earlier in the show, but I have one more running back to think about here in these later rounds, and it's a guy no one wants. It's not a sexy pick this year, but it's Kenyon Drake. Um, he was actually top six in the league last year in first downs. Obviously that had a lot to do with opportunity and how he was used there in Arizona. But I mean, I, I think we're going to see more Kenyon Drake than we think. Like Booker got a lot of play last year. We've always seen Richard and all those guys get a, a decent amount of play there in Oakland. I would much rather grab Kenyon Drake, maybe the 11th, 12th round, if he's still available rather than someone like Josh Jacobs in the fourth or fifth. I'm, I, I just think he's going to be a value. Derek Carr, he's known to check it down. Um, so, like, I wouldn't mind grabbing a Derek Carr early and then, you know, ha- having that featured wide receiver receiving back later on. So, I, I'm in on Kenyon Drake. It might be a little bit controversial, but I, I think I like it for the price tag. I can't you know that, did you know that Drake ran the third fastest, like, recorded run last year? On that really? game, on that game, oh, when yeah. he run against Dallas, it was the third fastest time. Raheem Mostert had the two first fastest times. That just, I mean, I, I always knew Drake was fast, but I just that kind of surprised yeah. me. Also, uh, Drake was top three in the NFC last year in r- rushing first downs. So you know, yeah, that's the format. That's that's going to be huge. Yeah, I, I was just actually watching NFL Network the other night before bed, and they were playing. Um, they're featuring a game about Kenyon Drake. It was one of his big Miami games um, before everything went to hell there. But I, it, I, I was surprised with just how powerful and elusive he was in that game. So I, I know it's been quite a few years since then, but Kenyon Drake's still not a bad player. He was pretty good, you know, all things considered. You know, he's, he's not a star, but for a guy you can grab and just like give yourself maybe a decent – third or fourth RB that you can throw in on some bye weeks. Like you only have to start two RBs. That's the thing you have to remember too. So I'm okay with fading my third or fourth RB in Scott Fishbowl, a little more than normal. But Jay, Dan, Scott, Nate, any final thoughts here? Um, any words of encouragement? Any any final advice for everyone as we kind of go into this just wild, wild weekend and it's going to end with the draft on Monday? I think, I mean, to echo what's been said a little bit, just, I mean, Scott Fishbowl, you know, first and foremost, it's for a great charity, a great cause, but it's, it's to have, a, it's to have fun, have fun with this, you know? Um, and, you know, I've heard it's like the official start of the fantasy season. I, I've heard that uttered before. Cause I mean, keep in mind, I mean, tomorrow, what do we got? Tomorrow's July 1st. Like the off season can seem really slow. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, training camps in a month. So have fun with it. Um, you know, just get, get prepared. I mean, the season's coming. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. I, I agree with Scott. Like it's right there. We're so close and have fun with it. Um, and remember also like this is for charity. I've seen some people dumping on Scott fish and Scott fishbowl lately for not getting in. 
calm down. Like it's, this is for charity. Not everyone can get in. It wouldn't be as fun. And remember that this is for charity and we're supposed to have fun, have fun. And he tries so hard to get as many people as. Yeah. Well, and the work, the work that he and Ryan McDowell do, like, can you imagine doing all of that? It's insane. It's insane. The amount of work that they put into Scott Fishbowl every year is absolutely crazy. And to anybody to to poo-poo them for not getting an invite is just nothing but selfish. So yep. I'm sure we all feel the same way. You know, like it, we're all so grateful for all the work that he does. Everybody is. Don't let a few uh, the bad apples yeah. uh, sour the bunch because right. He created the satellite leagues for that reason. They have satellite exactly. leagues now where if you win the satellite league, you get yeah. a spot next year. So just join one of those. Same scoring, yeah. everything. You can yeah. still participate if it means that much to you that you didn't get in. Right. You know, that's not the point, but still. <clears throat> just calm down, people. Yeah. Well, and to echo what everybody's been saying, you know, have fun with it. Do the if you are in, make sure you get into the draft chats. Make sure you get into, you know, start a division chat. Like the the, the relationships you build through Scott Fishbowl mean more than any finish obviously winning would be pretty nice but still <laughs> the relationships <clears throat> at least to me have meant a lot more than doing good doing bad anything like that um you know even if you're not in it buy a shirt you know there's so many different things that you can do they've got the potathon coming up donate during the potathon that is you know sal and the guys are going to go for 24 hours straight um just like you said don't lose sight of what the true meaning of it is uh build the relationships have fun and uh you know, if you think about it, shoot a tweet out there saying thank you to Scott and Ryan for all they do because, you know, they bring so much joy to so many people with all their hard work. Um, and they do it do a lot of good as well. So, I mean, yep. again, how I, I don't understand how anybody could be mad at them. Yep. Yeah. Basically, you know, it's echoing what all these guys are just have a good time. Uh, but a real a quick piece of uh, uh, advice, just – Double check, you know, take a second or two in your day. Double check the coaching staffs for the new coaches. See what the new teams have. You know, maybe as there's a certain player scheme that, that that's coming up that you could benefit a player that you're not looking at. So, you know, that just any kind of information that you can get, it could be an advantage because it is fun, but we all like to win too, let's be honest. So, 100%. Well, yeah, I'm not here to lose. <laughs> and go through well, the score. Well, that's what Jay's here, Jay's here to lose. So, I, I mean, I thought uh, you pointed the right way. Mm-hmm. I did. I was yeah. guessing too. It's completely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so like, bad yeah. about that. But, like, oh, which... <laughs> like, oh, just, yeah, but no, Jay. But, but yeah, everyone have a, have a great time. You know, thanks, Scott. Enjoy your chats and, you know, have fun drafting. Don't I panic. Bet. And if you if you can't keep up with your chats, don't be discouraged. The sevens, I can't, I can't keep up with them, man. It happens. It happens. The sevens are so active. It's so fun. I just can't keep up. It's impossible. I've tried. I tried for the first two days. It's like you know what? I I can't. Yeah. Can't. I love it though. Yeah. Well, well, Scott, Nate, Jay, Dan, I appreciate all the insight tonight. Um, it, for more of, of Dan and Jay, you can find them at their Twitter handles. You can find them at a podcast with upside. Do you, do you two fellas have anything else you'd like to plug before we, we sign off here? Dan. Uh, just one more time. I, my uh, uh, Roto Underworld article that came out uh, two years ago, uh, I just explained why David Montgomery won't uh, have as much success this season as people are expecting of him. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I do write for Roto Underworld, although it's been a few months since I've been able to. Life has been a little bit crazy. I've got a full-time job and kids and life's been uh, taken over lately, but uh, I will have some articles coming out here soon. I got a couple ideas up here. Just got to put pen on paper. Um, and Dan and I are both part of the team at Front Yard Fantasy. We uh, will have some announcement of what we're going to be doing over there soon. Um, so keep an eye out for that as well. Also, uh, we have our uh, podcast with Upside tomorrow with uh, Victoria. Yep. So check that out, please. Great. Nice. Great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we will definitely be tuning in, following everything you guys, you gentlemen are doing, your class acts in this industry. We appreciate it. Last piece of advice I want to give out is just enjoy this. Like live in the moment. Like it only comes around so often. Um, I'm going to touch more on that and definitely got some great advice from different people in the industry all coming out in a start since Seth column tomorrow. So be, be sure to check that out. Check everything else we have going on here in between media. If you can hit that subscribe button, if you're on YouTube, we really appreciate it. Um, fo- follow my guys on Twitter. They're excellent. At everything they do. We're going to love everything you guys do at IBT. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Jay. All of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We, we appreciate everything. 
Um, appreciate all our listeners and audience out there. Um, so far this off scenes, it's been a, been a hell of a ride and I'm excited to see where it goes the rest of the way. Um, for Nate, for Scott, Dan and Jay, I'm Seth and keep it in between till next time, folks. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. In between fantasy football podcasts. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person, to become a better human.